Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Hey, everybody. If you listen to Barb and Jeff's episode, or you know Barb at all, her daughter is Mackenzie, and I grew up with Mackenzie hanging out with Brady and I all the time. The three of us would tear around on dirt bikes, shoot guns, put an entire bottle of Don dish soap on the trampoline with a sprinkler underneath, and lived a pretty great childhood. She was like a little sister to me throughout high school, and so... It was really, really tough to hear that on September 13th, she had a horrible motorcycle accident with her boyfriend, Devin. I was so relieved to hear that she was alive. I thanked God that she survived and that she still had her mind, that she could make decisions for herself and decide what to do about this huge traumatic event. I knew it wouldn't be an easy road, but I knew it was one she would travel with dignity and respect for herself to move forward and to not lose hope, which was the greatest relief to truly know and focus on. I knew that Mackenzie had the tools she would need to succeed in a new body with entirely new expectations and adaptations to her life. Mackenzie has graciously decided to share her story on the podcast today. This happened only three months ago, and today she'll tell us she's back up walking. Without further ado, hear it from Kenzie herself. Episode 28, Mackenzie. Cheers, babe. I just made so much tea. I know. I saw. Sorry, this took forever. I had to re-download it. Oh, geez, Louise. I know. You're going to be peeing out a bunch of hot water. <laughs> oh, God. Mom, I'm doing the Skype thing with Tess. Love you, too. Yeah, bye. Well, how did your nail nailing go? Oh, good. See? Matte Ooh, black. So pretty. Love it. Like my soul. Yeah, right? Mine, too. <laughs> Mine, too, girlfriend. Well, I'm already recording, so. Oh, you are. Yeah, well, I mean, but I can edit. Right. I was just going to tell you, we can say whatever you want. We can talk about whatever you want. And if you start saying something and you're like, you know what, Tess, never mind. I don't want to share that. I can edit it out later. Right. You're not the type to be, like, nervous or filtered, so. Yeah. No. All right. Well, very good. Okay. Thank you for doing this with me. And then the other thing I wanted to tell you, I don't know how long this will take because I want the conversation to be natural. So yeah. if if it takes two hours, great. If it takes 45 minutes, great. If you need to stop and come back on with me in a couple of days, that's okay too. So like okay. whatever, whatever floats your boat, everybody's different. Yeah, whatever works. Whatever works is fine. All right, cool. I'm Mackenzie Franklin. I'm from Cannon Falls, Minnesota, um, and I now live in Red Wing. So beautiful, Minnesota. Said like yeah. a true Minnesotan. Oh yeah. Everybody out here gives me so much crap about the way I talk, and I think it's hilarious because then I, 
I do. I talk to people from back home and I'm like, oh yeah, we do sound different. Yep. We totally do. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. tell me how you and Devin met. Um, so I was sitting at Kelly's bar here in Red Wing with my friend Michaela Quinn and she's like scrolling on her Instagram and I was like, dang, who's that? And go back. And I was like, oh, that's Devin Whitman. Cause I knew him from, um, his cousin growing up was one of my best friends. And I just was like, hey, do you have a Snapchat? And she's like, yeah. And I add him on Snapchat. I added him on Instagram. And I added him on Facebook right then and there. And then I just DM'd him. And I was like, hey, what's up? And then we hung out when he came home because he was in Florida, I believe. Um, And then we just hung out. And everything was completely natural ever since. And it's been great. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's so funny how... There are there are people who live like, you know, a half an hour down the road from us that like we never thought about or yeah. met or like, you know, and to, and to then have it like work out so perfectly. It's just so right. cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Like our relationship is amazing. It's kind of everything I've ever needed. So. Yeah. OK, weird question. Like, how yeah. did you learn to date? What do you mean? How did I learn to date? Like, were you stressed? Like, were you nervous to, to like, date. yeah. To date him or date anybody? Yeah, either or. Um, no. <laughs> like, I know you said it was natural. I know. I love that about you. I mean, I, get... I just remember the first time we hung out, I walked into a party. It was like a garage party and I walked in and one of our friends now that was there, she's like, gosh, you just walked in and I just hated you. Cause you just look so confident and whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay. And she's like, yeah, I was just really jealous that you just didn't even care. So we got there and then we partied and now we're all best friends with each other. And yeah, well, well it's, it's just like, kind of how it went. There's no pressure. It's like if, if you would have met him in person, right. And there just be no chemistry or mm-hmm. like, maybe you just got the friend vibes from each other. Like that would be okay too. And right. I guess, Right. That's what you knew going into it is just like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, I was who like, cares? you're going to the same garage party. I was like, oh, weird. You're there. Yeah. Like, so yeah. we danced oh. to Dixie Chicks all night. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Dixie Chicks are the best. They're never going to go out of style. I actually listened to them, Kenzie, on my way to Brady's house when I saw you guys. Oh, yeah. A couple months ago. And so I was just like, Brady always has the best playlist. So I was like. What the heck do I listen to? And I was like, Dixie Chicks. Yep. yep. So I just pulled it up on my Spotify and I hadn't listened to it in probably a couple of years, which is, I'm realizing kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. I need to like, I need to play more music of times that like remind me of when I was younger. Cause I think it's good for you, you know? Yeah, for sure. Reminiscing. Yeah. Okay, now tell me a little bit about what you do, because I know what you do, and I know what you went to school for, but the listeners yes. don't, what your passions are, besides the oh. wonderful Devin. Yes. Um, well, originally out of high school, I was going to go, or I did go to Bemidji State, played volleyball there, and I was going like pre-law, and life happened then with mom getting cancer, and then um, I blew my shoulder out, and I was like, well, screw it, I just want to go home. Because I was like, I just want to be my mom, whatever. And I was sitting there with mom. I was like, mom, what am I going to do now? And I was like looking up stuff. I was like, well, I've already always wanted to like work with animals. And so I found the vet tech program in Rochester. And I started like in October. So only a couple weeks after I'd come home from college and left a 
full ride scholarship and all that stuff. And now I work at Animal Emergency Referral Center in Oakdale in St. Paul, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, I work in the ICU and the ER, so it's pretty high up, like upbeat and high intensity and all that good stuff. So it's wonderful because I love that stuff. Um, yeah. So animals. So what do you? Do you literally help with surgery then? Like, what what does your job entail in the ER? What's been surprising to you or scary or happy or any of the above? Yeah. So it's, t- like, I would just imagine my job as literally the same thing as a human ER and ICU, um, but with animals. So what I we do in the ER side is we stabilize animals. So say a dog gets hit by a car, comes in on the gurney, Um, We stabilize it by getting vitals, checking all those things. If it needs an IV fluid bolus, we'll do that. Um, We perform CPR almost every single day. Um, And then the ICU part of things is a lot of patient care. Um, And, like, they're all on IV fluids usually, a bunch of IV medications, pills. Um, I don't necessarily do surgery because we have a department for that, so we're a hospital. So we have all different departments. We have surgery, oncology, dermatology, all the things. So we just work with the critical care side of things. Sweet. It's cool that like your mom and your sister are both nurses and you are too, just for different patients. Yeah, because I don't like humans much. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Right? It's so true, Kenzie. God, animals are so much better than us. Oh, yes. Yeah, we We don't. No, we really don't. I know it's like I I don't know sometimes Tyler can be a grump at like the dogs if they do something and I'm like are you seriously mad at them he's like no you're right like it's it's a second of anger and then you just are fine because they're just so cute and perfect they they are and it's like they don't they don't think about like you know spite or drama like they're just genuine so very cool I think that's a very neat job and something too that like probably won't ever get boring because there's always oh. something you can do with it right like oh yes yeah you can do a ton of different things with it yeah and like if I now with my leg my new leg I'll probably have to start out a little slower because I'm yeah. not gonna be very fast so I might see a little bit of the other sides of the hospital that are a little slower maybe but yeah the goal is to not do that and to just jump right back into it but we'll see yeah well, I'm happy that they're so understanding and, oh, like, yeah. those other options are something you can look into based on your comfort level and recovery. Yeah. So yeah. now people are probably like, what the heck are they talking about? So <laughs> let's just go to that night or that weekend or that week if you're comfortable and yeah. just kind of start wherever you want, share as much or as little as you want, and we'll go from there. Well, that day was September 13th. It was a Sunday. And um, I actually had Devin's sister's bridal shower in the morning at his parents' house, at his mom's house. Um, and so I was at that. It was a Viking Sunday. So I had my jersey on and I get pumped up about that. Sunday fun days are a big thing for me. And um, I ended up being there for a little bit and I was like, I got to go. It's so nice out. Like, this is going to maybe be one of the nice last nice days you know for the motorcycle because it was like 75 and just perfect so I texted Devin I was like I'm leaving let's go watch the game somewhere um and it was like halftime for the game I think because 
I had watched a little bit at um, his mom's house at the um, shower and then came home. He's like always ready for me to get on the motorcycle because he loves it too. So we get on the motorcycle um, and some of this is a little blurry for me still just because like I forgot a lot of what happened before it. So um, I believe my Marissa's here just to kind of nice yeah well and she yeah Marissa I mean I don't know how you how comfortable you guys are but Ken's if she needs to give any side of her story that's more than fine too and yeah um I was gonna say too um I I get that with with not remembering a lot because even looking back at the days before I went into surgery like I actually forgot what day my surgery was. Like, I could not remember if it was, like, August 15th or 17th or 19th. I just couldn't even remember. And even looking back now, it's like, those things might come back to you. They could come back to you in a dream. They could come back to you in 20 years. But it is. It's crazy what trauma does to you. Right, yeah. So, I, I, a lot has come back to me, like, this last month just because more people talk to me and I'm like I want to know everything like what did you do that day you know I keep asking people those things and so they're the pieces are starting to come together here short like slowly but yeah yeah, we um first off went to Mike's Bay Town I think um in Bay City and they were like known for their bloodies so Devin got a bloody um and I got a screw up and we met a couple friends there watched the game um, and I think the game was done once we left there. Who and won that day? Did the Vikings suck that day or were they okay? Um, I honestly think they won that day. Ooh, I really good. think they won, but I'm not totally sure. It was September 13th, so people can look it up if they want. Yeah. I well, love that you're, I love that you're a diehard fan because. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, especially since I moved out to Michigan, a lot of people out here talk smack about our Vikings. Oh gosh. And, like, my mom has adopted the Green Bay Packers now. Like, I think she watches still um, Minnesota Vikings, but she's way more into the Packers now. Well, okay, so Marissa told me it was the Packers that day, and we lost, so there's that. Well, anyways. That's besides the point. That's right. (laughs) So, we ended up after Baytown, Mike's Baytown, we went to Saves, I think, for, like, a second, which is a bar just right next to it. Um, and our friend Austin was also on his bike, but it was just him. And so it was just me, Devin and Austin. So two bikes, which is a little rare because we always kind of rode in groups just cause it's, it's safer to ride in a group of motorcycles rather than just one or two. Um, but we weren't really going too far, so whatever, right. you know, and then we ended up going, to the Harbor Bar after that, I think. Yep, Har- Harbor Bar after that. So right on the river, right across the bridge from where we live. Um, and it was nice out, like I said. So we were sitting out on the picnic tables. Um, and Austin and April, April is Austin's girlfriend, ended up coming and meeting us there. Um, and then Kirsten and Tyler were there. Um, and then our other friend, Barry, who is a big motorcycle guy with us, was there. Um, and then before this, I wasn't talking to Marissa. Her and I were in a pretty um, big 
situation um, just because she was upset with me for giving my opinion on her relationship. Um, so it had been probably like a month before we were talking and she came into Harbor Bar that day and I'm like, I looked at her, I guess. And what did I say? I don't know what I said, but I said something like, get your ass over here. I need to talk to you. And I was like, how to text me back. Oh, I was like, are you ever going to learn how to text me back, bitch? That's what I said. Oh my God. And so I gave her a little lecture and then that was us reconnecting and, um, then every Austin and April left early because they had to go to a family dinner. Um, and then all of us were like, okay, like let's head out or whatever. We're let's meet at Kelly's for dinner. I think as we we're going to eat at Kelly's in town. Um, so everybody left before us. Um, and one thing Marissa, Marissa will always say is she, um, kind of wishes that she would have waited because she never ever um, used to let like motorcycles go. She would always follow them. You know, she'd always follow the bikes and she didn't that day. Um, yeah. So we got on the bike and it's all very fast in my head what happened because it did happen really fast. Um, we got on the bike, did our normal like whatever. We were not wearing helmets, um, which was pretty normal for us, unfortunately. And um, were you headed home, Ken's, or were you headed? No, we were going to go to Kelly's to meet. Okay. So everybody. you stayed at the bar and then you went from the bar to dinner. Right. Yep. Um, everybody kind of left at the same time, but just like a couple minutes apart from each other. And we were the last ones to leave. And we were the only ones on a bike. And um, how far, how many miles, how far are we talking? So it would only have been like five miles maybe to get to where we were going. Right. And it was right through town other than Harbor's, Harbor Bars Road. It was under construction, so it's like a little bit longer of a way um, than normal. Sure. Um, well, and it's like, yeah, you never you never think anything's going to happen. Like when I rolled my Geo Metro in high school, ha, <laughs> I did that by myself somehow. So oh, gosh. I, yeah, it had rained and there was, you know, the wet gravel on the shoulder of the road my wheel, my front right wheel just went into it a little bit, but it like sucked me in. And so Mm -hmm. I overcorrected. And anyway, yeah, it's like you never think a quick five mile ride. And that's why like, you know, I hope Marissa cannot carry too much guilt about that over the years because you just, you never think something bad is going to happen to anyone you love or even ourselves, you know, you guys drove that road a hundred thousand times. Yep. A lot of times we've been on that road. So, um, and then the accident, I can talk about that in pretty good depth. So, I mean, if people get weirded out by these no. type of things. No, um, you just say whatever you want, you know, and we can just say, you know, for any listeners that yeah. are squeamish or don't want to hear details they could just fast forward you know what Ken's two minutes or something yeah yeah um so we got on the bike and we got going and it was literally like I don't even know how far from Harbor Bar's parking lot but not far at all um there's a very slight curve in the road like it's not a huge corner it's not like whatever but it's a little s and it's very very smooth it's not huge 
while we were going a little bit too fast. Um, and Devin just lost control of the back end. And as soon as you lose control of the back end, it's kind of just game over. Um, and the bike went one way with him and I flung over the top of him into the ditch. Um, and then I remember all of this very vividly. And then I landed on my left leg. Like I was standing up in the air kind of, and then I fell down, like I fell down all of my weight on my left leg. So it just like exploded. If you just picture the leg going into the ground, it just kind of exploded in all ways. Um, and I remember I blacked out for probably like two seconds when I landed, which thank God, cause I feel like that would have been really painful, <laughs> but, um, I just, how remember- do you know it was only two seconds? Because like, I just remember like being in the air and then all of a sudden it was like, I opened my eyes and I was laying in the ditch. Like it was like, and then I re- heard Devin like moaning. So I know that it like. Was quick, yeah. yeah. Um, and I like opened my eyes, and my leg literally felt like it was like in a fire pit, and um, that's all it felt like though. Like it literally just felt like burning. Like, but I could handle it. I kind of was just like, oh. And then yeah, I like that me. hurts. <laughs> yeah, and I look over to the left, and my foot's in my face, but my leg's still pointing down. And I was like, well, that's not good. Um. And then I look down and, like, I see my legs, like, splurting blood out of it, which I think was my femoral. Um, So I just instantly tourniqueted into my crotch, like, my hand into my crotch and on the other side of my thigh. And I squeezed as hard as I could. And I remember thinking, I was like, wow, this feels like venison. (laughs) Like, I don't know why, but, like, coming, I went back to, like, when I was young deer hunting and I was like, this is exactly what it feels like is my leg looks like a venison cut up. Um, so I turned a kid to myself. As soon as I did that, I did saw you- my Apple watch and I'm like, I was like, I need to call 911. Like, uh, this is really, really bad. So as I'm like on my Apple watch, which I didn't know of the emergency feature that you can just like hold a button and it will do the emergency SOS or whatever. So I'm just sitting there like, Going through, I went to apps, I went to phone, to the dial pad thing, dialed 911. And as I was doing that, I was, like, yelling for Devin because I'm, like, I need to know that he's okay. And so, like, I yell, I'm yelling, I'm yelling. And then I heard, like, him moan, like, twice. And then I heard him take two steps, and then it was just, like, silent. So I was, like, okay. I was, like, once I heard him take steps, I was, like, okay, he's okay. Like, he's up and moving. And then I figured he probably just like sat down or passed out or something, but it was very light. And he did tell me that he took two steps, looked down and saw his leg, um, which was like split wide open and just sat down and passed out. Is it, it's, it's daytime right now, right? Like you could see everything around you. Yep. It was like, what time was it? Six o'clock. It was six o'clock, and that was in September before it got dark. So still, at yeah, still pretty late. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so then I, once I heard him take a couple steps, I was like, "All right, I need to take care of myself." I yelled to him. I said, "I was like, do not come over here. It's really bad. It's really bad." And I remember yelling that to Devin. And then I was like, "Okay, I need to focus on myself because I could tell." 
that I was losing blood very fast, obviously, because I saw it all. And I just began to become, like, super calm and, like, super tired. And yeah. I, I I don't remember what the people on the um, 911 call said to me, but I do remember saying, I'm, like, instantly, I was, like, we just left the harbor bar. We're right on that road. We're on a motorcycle. We just got in a really bad accident, and I'm bleeding out. It's really bad. And I just kept saying that over and over and over again. And I think they were trying to talk to me, but I literally just, like, on repeat said that um and then Do you know what police department answered like what who answered what town or what so red wing and then also ellsworth responded i believe pierce county. pierce county so um i'm not totally sure who it was that answered the phone but i think it was red wing um because it was like if i in my head i I do plan to talk to the people that responded, the first responders sometime. Um, cause I want to know like, you know, what they came up to. Cause I don't remember anything once they got there, but, um, I was coherent until all of a sudden I heard the ambulance sirens. I heard the sirens and I swear it was like three to four minutes after I called, like it was so fast. They were so fast. Like, and that's probably why I'm still alive because they're so fast. Yeah. And, as soon as I heard the sirens, I must have taken a deep breath and passed out because I don't remember anything. I think I just was finally, like, relieved. I was like, oh, they're here, you know? Yeah. So, Do you remember when you were tourniqueting yourself? Like, did it hurt to grab you? You didn't feel anything? Nope, I didn't feel anything. I think, you know, you're, I was in shock and, like, I just knew that, like, if I didn't do that, if I didn't squeeze as hard as I could, like, there may have been a chance that I wasn't going to make it because that's another thing is as soon as I, I'm wondering, I'm thinking this is what happened, but I don't really know. As soon as I kind of passed out or stopped remembering anything, um, I remember seeing the light, if you, like, whatever people call that. Yeah. Um, it just, like, was really, really bright, and I saw my dogs running, and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then I heard my um, friend that's actually, he passed away, it'll be two years in March, um, all I heard him say is, keep fucking going, and then that's it. And I can't tell you when I remember, started remembering things in the hospital, Um but I think it was in the ICU, or in the, was I in the ICU when you came and saw me that one day? I was intubated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, my mom and Marissa have told me things, and then I can remember the things. But I was intubated for three days, and that's kind of when I started remembering things. I think it was, like, the third day. But the first couple days, I don't remember anything. And I also was in surgery for eight hours, one surgery, and then whoever knows how long the next couple surgeries so yeah do you know like how much blood you lost I mean you know more than I do about like blood loss and what that does to someone's mind and like just you even saying like you were calm and tired like that was probably like you said shock but also blood loss right it was blood loss yeah um and I like having my medical background I'm like this isn't good I started getting really tired and I'm like okay and like everything seemed really really cool around me like I was I just remember looking 
And I don't know if the river is right there, but I remember thinking the river was like right in front of me while I was laying in the ditch. And I was like, gosh, this is really calm. Life's so beautiful. Like, yeah, everything's okay. Yeah. I just kind of had those, those moments. So my first, I know right away at the scene, they placed like a huge catheter that they called the big Ricky and IV catheter in my arm. And I have a scar from it. And they said that that can give a liter of fluids in five minutes, and I don't know how many fluids and blood I got at the scene or um, in Red Wing, but I was getting blood instantly. They got me blood right away. Um, but my first surgery, I had 16 units of blood. Wow. So that's like, you know, you go to donate blood, yeah. you don't need a unit usually. Yeah. What? How big is a unit, Kenzie? Like, is that... Uh coffee cup is that what is 16 ounces i think it's like 500 mils isn't it it's like high 500 milliliters so that's a lot that's a lot that's like a that's like as big as my tea thing here if not bigger so yeah so that's one unit and i got 16 of those the first surgery and then crap and only just continued getting blood after blood transfusion from there until i left the hospital pretty much that's like that's like probably and i might be being a little bit um what's the word like I might be saying less than what you actually got but like that's at least six gallons of blood so go donate blood people exactly literally I'm just like everybody who's done that thank you so much you saved my life yeah mine too we would both not be here if that was not a thing people did so yeah yes Yep. So you woke up. What did you remember? Like when you, the first moments, Kenzie, you remember being at, at, were you at Red Wing or at Mayo at this point? You were at Mayo, right? Well, they just, they helicoptered me and Evan right away from Red Wing. They stabilized you while they called the helicopter and brought you down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They got to, say what? Oh, they called the helicopter before I even got to the hospital, I guess. Good, good. And then, like, did they take Devin and you together in there? What does he remember about this? If you could share. Yeah, yeah and I wish he was here, but he is working as well, always. Well, that's okay. That's all right. Um, he doesn't really remember a lot of the accident, um, like the actual moments of it happening and, like, the moments after, right after. But he um, does remember, like, talking to the sheriffs and um he remembers like the ambulance ride he called one of our friends April from the ambulance and was like I fucked up and yeah kept saying that I guess um and then he remembers the helicopter because he kept getting yelled at because he kept wanting to look out the window oh uh, funny because he's like well I've never been in a helicopter you know so he's just you know he was all drugged up obviously on good pain meds as well because his leg was exploded open on the right side it was his right leg yeah and I don't even know to this day did he get impaled or did he was his based on impact too so I'm not totally sure but what I think happened is he probably like skidded like his was on his right thigh and the bike went to the right and so I think it was he was pinched maybe yeah, like blunt force trauma, like possibly Ugh. in a tree. Like, not totally sure, but like something per, like blunt force, like whether it was the ground, a tree. Yeah. A bike, just, you know. Owie, owie. But 
the bike was on its own and we both were off of it. So it wasn't right. like got stuck underneath it or anything. So sure. Okay. So you wake up at Mayo and what do you remember? Were you like, holy shit, Devin, where's Devin? Like, um, yeah, I think so. I just kind of re a lot of this that I'm now remembering was told to me and it came back to me. So I thought that I was in a really dark room, but I guess it was really bright. Like I thought it was a really dark room that I was in when I kind of came to. And I just remember, was I intubated when mom got there? How did I tell her I wanted ice chips? Oh, you mean the ED? No, you weren't intubated yet. Oh, okay. So I remember that then, I guess. No, I don't. No, she told me. Okay, so one thing that my mom told me that I don't really remember, but I only imagine, is when she got to the emergency um, room in Rochester, I guess I just said, give me some damn ice chips. I guess that's all I said. And then I went into surgery um for my Kenzie, first if if that isn't you I don't know what is that is just yeah. like give me some damn ice chips oh by yeah. the way I'm awake and I love you all and thank you yeah. for your service yeah <laughs> literally and and I also said to my mom actually before that I said I'm so sorry I guess I kept saying I'm so sorry I'm so sorry because I knew like oh my gosh I'm sure my mom that day was just a mess but um then I had gone into surgery, whatever. I think it was like the third day I'd been there, the second, who knows. I kind of came to and I remember I thought I was in a really dark room and I couldn't talk. And a machine was breathing for me and I'm like, what the hell? I can breathe on my own. Why is this thing breathing for me? Um, and then I remember Marissa coming in bawling because um, she worked there and she snuck in. Um, and I, first thing I said to her, so said, I had to point at a stupid piece of paper with the alphabet on it and try to spell things out, which was absolutely horrible because I had a tube in my throat. So I like just wrote to her work question mark. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, did somebody call work? Like, I just need to go to work. You know, like that was all I was thinking about. And she's like, yes, we called work. Like, it's fine. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. as I'm like, have a meat leg. Like, I don't even know. Right. Uh, as you so, have a venison style leg now. Yeah. And you're yeah. worried about your sweet little animals back yeah. at the clinic. I was like, oh my gosh, my coworkers are going to kill me because we've been so busy. But, um, and then I just remember like being intubated and the frustration of trying to communicate with my mom and like the nurses I was super swollen everywhere like my fingers were sausages um and I tried to sign language like because I I know basic sign language because I'm like oh this will work you know nobody knew sign language and so I remember just like it was very frustrating for me because like communication was like almost irrelevant and um I remember trying to write with a pen on a piece of paper and I just kind of wrote us like I was trying to write letters but it wasn't coming out like it just like went in a straight line down and my mom said she got really nervous then because she's like they said your head's fine you know like somehow my head was completely fine I didn't hit it on anything whatever but it was just sincerely like my hands were so swollen and I was just so weak that I couldn't write um 
so that was that was a little scary for my mom thinking like oh gosh she can't write like something is wrong with her head um and then they had to like keep adjusting the ventilator or the is that what it was uh, I was on yeah the ventilator they kept adjusting it because I kept getting super frustrated so I have anxiety which one of my biggest like symptoms of my anxiety is like I can't get a deep breath well this machine was breathing for me, but I could control my breathing. So I was fighting the machine a ton. Um, and they kept having to like adjust the settings. And when they adjust the settings, you can't breathe. So it's literally just holding out, you know, it was just like, I just don't know why it had to be intubated that long. But I think it was because they just didn't know the condition on my lungs, like what was going to happen, you know, so. Right. That was really frustrating. Um, so those yeah. are the things I remember really. Yeah, because if you could have talked, like, you would have said so much more than you ever could have written, but at oh, least yeah. you could have asked the questions you needed. Right. So, yeah. yeah, that sounds really frustrating. Like, thankfully, my mom and I have a communication with our eyes that we can do, um, because I remember I was getting suctioned, because they have to suction your um, endotracheal tube because it just saliva builds up at whatever. And so I'd just point at my mouth to my mom, and she'd be like, she needs suction. Like, my mom just knew, and thank God for that, because, I don't know, I can't imagine being there by myself. Um, but, yeah. And then I was hospitalized forever. Yeah, yeah, you were. Gosh. Yeah, I remember your mom actually texted me and that night, and she just said, Kenzie has been in an accident please just pray for her. That's what she said. And I was worried sick about you. I remember I was like laying in my bed and it's an hour later here. And I was up like probably much of that night. Every time I woke up to pee or like turn over, I was like, oh gosh, what what about Mackenzie? So I know everybody was like, prayers were definitely with you that night, Kenzie. Not just, you know, because your mom was letting everybody know what needed to be done. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And thank God for everybody because I mean, there is, there was a moment where like, I probably had a chance of not making it, you know, just with the blood loss and everything and the extensive surgery that they had to do to try to get my leg back together. And of course, yeah. they wanted to do the best that they could to save my leg. So they yeah. already were thinking ahead. So. Yeah. And, and I want to talk too about like that. Let's go back to that Apple watch real quick. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you had your phone, but it was flung from the vehicle when you landed or what? Yeah, it flung. So I think it was in my vest pocket. Um, and my vest pocket didn't have a zipper or anything. So it just flung and it was shattered. Yeah. I don't know where it was compared to where I was, but my Apple watch worked. And I don't have, like, the data or whatever on my Apple Watch, so I need to have my phone by me for it to work. Yeah. So, somehow. It had to have been, yeah, somewhere close-ish. Somehow. So then, how do you call? You said now you know there's a button you can just push. Yeah. Can you describe that for people? Yeah, so if you just hold the button on the side, it goes, there's an option for emergency SOS, and I would have just literally had to hold that down. And it would have taken two seconds. Yeah. Hit it and it dials 911. Yeah. But I took the time to 
you know, scroll through and get to the phone and so dial that. It. Thank God, because you're right. Like, obviously, Devin wasn't in a place where he could make the phone call. Right. You right. know, you knew he had fainted. And yeah. you're right. Like, you know that tiredness. Yep. What do you think of when you think back to that now? Like, does that I mean, tell you I, anything? Well, I don't know what I believed necessarily before. I've always believed in God and, like, a higher power because, obviously, there has to be something more than us. But in that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh. I I told myself every single day in my life, like, live life to the fullest. We I think we all do that. We all want to be able to wake up every single day and, like, do the best we can because life's short. Well, like, in that moment, I remember thinking, like, I swear to God, I'm going to live my life to the fullest every single day, and I'm going to not just say it. Like, I'm going to do it. Like, because... If you let me live, God, yeah. I will live. Wow. Yeah, like, I promise I will never, ever, ever just say it. Like, I'll do it. I promise if you just, you know... I was like... Because I knew he was there with me because I was so calm. Like, I was so yeah. calm. Like, I just don't really understand looking back, like, if I could look at myself in the ditch, like, it would have been a scene where you would just picture somebody screaming and, like, you know, frantic, but I just remember laying there and, like, like, wow, nature's so beautiful, life's so beautiful, like, I just remember thinking that, and, I mean, if it wasn't for the people watching over me, like, Danny, my friend that passed away, like, telling me to keep fucking going, like, maybe I would have, you know, let go, but. That's an insane memory that you not only had that, like, meeting. Yeah. But that you also remember it, and that it did help you stay calm. Yeah. And even seeing your dogs run, like, that makes me so happy that those are the thoughts you had. World, and, like, I think it was just a reminder, like, hey, you got stuff to live for still, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so irrigation, tell everybody what that means. Like when they just going back out or what? (laughs) Going back to Mayo Clinic, yeah, what do you know about your wounds? Like, yeah, over the days you're waking up, what are you told? What's done? Like, Kenzie, in one week's time, I mean, how many times were you irrigated? Like, how many surgeries did five five times you were irrigated yeah so the ditch was literally in my leg like the nasty pictures that I have you can see nice flowers and grass hanging out in my muscle and my bone just has like a little flower hanging off of it pretty much because my my god sticking out obviously and uh yeah so I got I just kept like waking up from anesthesia and I'm like and they're like, okay, we're going to Wood and the Bride, going to Irrigate today. Like, And you're like, again? Yeah, literally just constantly, like, going in and out of anesthesia. And, like, I became a pro of anesthesia. Like, I was so deathly afraid of it before. And now I'm like, oh, you want to put me under? Sure. I know exactly what drugs I need, and I know exactly what you need to tell me to do, and we'll be good. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, okay, and then, so your leg was broken, talk about your injuries, like, from your hip down, what what all had happened, do you mind yeah. doing that? So, my femur was completely shattered in, like, 
I don't know how many places, a lot. And actually, I had a two and a half inch piece, I think it was, um, that was just not there. So it's in Hager City in the ditch somewhere and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then also a part of my tibia was also just not there. So two pieces of my bone had been left at the scene. And then um, my tibia was uh, open fracture, so sticking out of my skin. Um, my knee was completely shattered, and um, the way they put that back together is just mind-blowing um, because it's tiny, itty-bitty pieces and shards of my knee just everywhere in my leg. Um, and Mayo actually had said that this was the worst leg injury they've ever seen. And so that's kind of crazy considering it's Mayo in Rochester. Um, right. So yeah, my leg was just completely blowed up um, ligaments wise. Like my knee wasn't really existent. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and in order for like sections of your bone to be missing from the top and bottom of your right. leg above and below your knee, like they had to come out somewhere. So like right. your muscles were exposed. Yep. You had giant, like, I don't know even how big Kenzie was that at least eight inches long, the one on your upper leg, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's where my skin graph is now. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's about eight inches, maybe yeah. a little bit more actually. And they also did open it up farther just to work on everything. So The original wound, though, yeah, was at least eight inches wide. Yeah. Hey there, I'm a born Minnesotan, now Michigan girl whose life was thrown into an ineffable state of uncertainty in 2014. I was 24 years old and diagnosed with a rare deadly tumor. Superhuman doctors at the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, Minnesota saved my life by cutting me in half then putting me back together again with my leg bone. We decided to put me in a cauldron full of chemotherapy drugs for nearly a year in hopes of killing the mutated cells while my incisions in my skin from three days of surgery took seven months to heal. It was so tough, but I'm so glad I'm here with you all on the other side. My fiance Tyler and I have started creating bonus content for our Patreon supporters. Patreon gives creators the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Having to ask people for money is difficult, and your support of this show is greatly appreciated. Thank you for sharing in my dream, and be sure to check out the bonus content online at patreon.com for slash push diaries podcast let's get back to the show so So then like progression from the irrigation like were they just cleaning out the wounds or were they also starting to slowly put you back together yeah so they were also putting me back together very slowly um the first thing they worked on I believe was my tibia and um, the lower half of my leg to kind of put that back together because I think that was the easier part. Um, I only had one vein, I think it was, or one nerve. What was it? One one vein going down from my knee to my foot. So this that uh. was a huge concern this whole time because usually you have three main veins going through your foot to circulate blood. So that was always a concern throughout the whole thing was my blood supply to my foot. 
Because oh. how does it heal when you don't have good blood supply? Like, was that also, were they worried about blood clots too? Or like, what were they worried oh, yeah. about exactly? Oh, yeah. So blood clots, I was on blood thinners and all that good stuff. And then infection, I think, was probably one of the biggest concerns just with the fact that I literally had pieces of the ditch in my leg. So they actually placed some like little antibiotic beads that you see on x-ray. Those are kind of cool. And they just kind of um, disperse and like into your muscle and your pieces of your leg. So that was kind of cool that they did that. Um, yeah, that yeah. is cool. And the, the like, idea of my foot not really, I couldn't really move a lot of my foot. Like, they'd be like, wiggle your toes. they do an assessment every single day or whatever of feeling and all that good stuff. Um, I remember in the beginning, after they had fixed a lot of my leg, um, well, as best they could, um, put all the bones back together, they, I was, like, trying to wiggle my toes. And, like, I remember telling my toes to move. And, like, only, like, two of them would just, like, slightly wiggle. And I'm, like, what the hell? You know how that is, obviously. Like, why yeah. is telling my body to do this? And it's freaking not. Like, yeah, it's frustrating thing. But that's something I held in the back of my mind for the whole time. Like, I'm, like, if these toes and feet, this foot don't work, I don't want it. Like, get it off of me because it's going to be in my way. Yeah. So, yeah. I was kind yeah. of prepared for the end result the whole time, to be honest, so. Yeah. Oh, I know you were. Because didn't you say, wasn't one of the first, besides the tip comment, didn't you, weren't you told that you said something about your leg? Yeah, my mom said also it was the the ice chips. Uh, I also was like, and mom, get this leg off of me. It hurts so bad. Just get it off of me. Just take yeah. it off. Yeah. And that yeah. was in the emergency department before my first surgery, so. I kind of was just trying to tell him to take the damn thing off right away because I knew it was bad. Yeah. How much is, I don't mean to be corny, but like how much has your job as working in the veterinary industry taught you about your injuries and what it meant? Because you've seen animals that have needed so much time healing and so many surgeries. Yeah. I think that obviously my job helped me a lot to understand all the things that I had to go through in the hospital because it's a lot of the same things. Like this was a traumatic event and I work with traumatic injuries and animals all the time. And so the medical language as well is very common. So it was easy to talk to doctors and my nurses and communicate with them because I, I knew a lot of what they were saying. If it was like a large medical word, like and not your average person that's not in it would know. So that was really nice. And then just like knowing how I couldn't move my toes, like if a dog can't move one of its back legs and we do a neural exam and things aren't right, like it's probably bad, you know. So I had those ideas in my head and that I would give credit to my work for. Yeah. Okay, then I know too, like when I saw you, you were talking about how they had your images up on like the TVs and the first one was like you when they brought you in and then even your x-rays too Mm -hmm. like what did you begin to see every time they added another image up there yeah so it began with obviously like I couldn't really even tell you what pieces of bone were what in the x-ray because it was so completely distorted and broken everywhere and then they kind of, you know, put pins and 
screws and everything in and they they finally like formed my knee somehow which was amazing because like if you look at the knee one and then the or the first one of the knee and then when they fixed it or tried to fix it like it's crazy that they could put all those things together and then it just started looking more and more like a normal leg x-ray wise and then I mean I was in an x-fix which is that huge thing that you see on my pictures that I was in And that just held all my bones together from the outside. So, yeah, yeah, everything. And my leg looked cleaner on the outside, obviously, every single time because they would debride and irrigate and whatever. So all my my muscle and stuff looked really clean. I had wound vacs on a lot of my wounds. So those were on there. And then the day of my amputation, they had all of those pictures up just to kind of show me. And then that day I was like, okay let's get rid of the damn thing because it hurts really bad and I'm over it. It's not. Yeah. And you realized like dexterity. I mean, I know like, obviously that's not your hand, but as far as movement goes, you just knew again, because you had so many disconnections between your hip and your foot, it wasn't something you wanted to keep. So like how long was the decision? Like how long Between the time you had your accident to when you were like, okay, yep, let's amputate. So the accident was September 13th. I believe my amputation surgery was on the 25th. It was either the 24th or the, it was either 24th, 25th, 26th. What was it? It was like 23rd. Oh, it was like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was the 23rd. I don't know. I don't even remember my surgeries. Whatever. It doesn't even matter. I know. I got to get myself a Marissa to tell me my dates. Because, yeah, I'm like, like I said, I'm just, and I know there, I know it's out there. But it's like, yeah, some of those things, it's just like, whatever. Like, it's like it uh, happens. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I had a surgery for more reconstruction or something. And I remember waking up from it in, um whatever, post-op, wherever you go, wake up from anesthesia. And Dr. Ewan was my doctor, most amazing doctor ever, orthopedic surgeon. He came in and his look on his face was like, not good. And I kind of was like, you know, I just like nodded my head and I was like, what's up? And he kind of, you know, started beating around the bush a little bit. And then I was like, look, I was like, you know, I told you this, like right away in the beginning, you do not need to beat around the bush. Like, we need to take my leg off, don't we? And he's like, it's not looking very good. Like this is, it's really bad. Like he's like, I'm not sure how we're going to fix this. And I was very drugged up still, obviously, but I remember that. And so I knew that was, that conversation was coming. And so went back to my room or whatever, and it was night. And obviously with COVID visitors have to leave at six. So I kind of told my mom, I was like, mom, just so you know, I was like, I think he's going to want to come talk about amputation tomorrow, you know, just because my mom, obviously, it was really, really hard for her. Like, I can handle this stuff, but to be a mom and have to watch your daughter go through this is hard. So I wanted to make sure, like, just a heads up, you know. And then, of course, the next day he came in and sat down and very personable person. And he's like, so he's like, if you told me you cannot live the rest of your life without your leg, your leg he's like I will do everything in my power to save it he's like but it will be like an eight to nine month process of surgery after surgery after surgery and no guarantees at the end yeah and he's like or he's like we amputate and 
I was like, when can we do it? <laughs> I was like, when can we amputate? He's like, we can do it tomorrow morning. My mom at that moment started crying, like bawling because she knows me. And I was like, yep, let's do it. Cause yeah. it didn't even take me time to think. Cause I'd already been thinking about it, you know, like in my own head, in the back of my mind, I was like, this is likely what's going to happen. And I just wanted to get it done so we can get moving on to where I'm at now, getting another leg, you know? Yes. Yes. I know. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So you had the leg removed and I second, the Mayo doctors are amazing. Marissa, you too. I'm so glad that you got along with him so well and like you trusted his, you know, input and, you know, tell me what you would do if this was your leg type of thing. And I'm just thankful that he was able to like, let you know, like, Hey, there's hope for you, but yes. you know, without your leg, you're going to be able to do a lot more. So, right. right. A big hunk of meat in my way of living my life that I want to live, you know, so getting rid of it wasn't huge. You wouldn't be able to like bend your knee more than 90 a little. Feet. Yeah. So like running is important for you. Um, I can jog on the one that I'm getting. I actually got approved for a military grade knee, which is pretty pretty crazy that I got approved for that considering I'm not going to go into combat but so people that cool, go back, yeah people that go back into combat get this knee and I get it so my insurance approving that's pretty nuts and pretty cool that I get to do that so I get to jog on this knee I eventually will get like a blade too uh, a running blade and then I also have a plan to get the moto knee which is just more or less for like snowmobiling riding my dirt bike all that stuff Yes, um, Ken, so. you'll have to send me the links to that guy because oh, yeah. people will think that's really cool to look yeah. at, right? And didn't isn't he from St. Cloud or Alexandria? Yeah. I think it's St. Cloud is where he lives or where he's yeah. from. Yeah, so he had an accident. Say, tell yep. a little bit about him. Yeah, so it was a snowmobile accident and snow, he used to race snowcross. He also raced motocross, all that good stuff. I don't know like the very specifics of his accident but he ended up losing his leg as well um and for some reason I'm blanking if it was above the knee or below the knee but um he kind of went through what I'm going through right now got a leg it was just you know our your everyday leg and he said he went to go ride his dirt bike and he was like this isn't gonna work for me I'm not gonna be able to do the things that I want to do so him being that way he sat in his garage and he designed his own knee and foot and it's amazing and yeah no kidding and now he's like a crazy snowboarder all this stuff he just does all these things so didn't slow him down and he made his own stinking knee and it's called the moto knee right that's what you said yep yeah that's amazing so you're gonna just have three different legs to interchange on your new amputation right oh yes yeah I'll I'll just Devin said I can have a closet full of legs if I would like. So <laughs> I'm going to go probably nuts. Closet full of shoes, closet yep. full of legs, whatever yep. you're into. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so then talk about your skin grafts. Your yep. wounds are fully closed now, right? Yep, yep. So the skin graft is where that very large wound was. That was about, like, eight inches, whatever, on my outside of my thigh. And... I obviously lost some skin and muscle there, so having to close it up needed some extra skin. So before that surgery, I got amputation on the 23rd and my skin graft on the 25th then. And they, I had to give consent for my right leg and my left leg to take skin from 
because they were maybe going to do it from my right thigh or right butt, I don't know, right butt cheek. But they ended up taking it from my left butt cheek, so they limited it all to my one side, which I'm really thankful for. And they took two three-inch pieces off of my left butt cheek and then placed that over the open wound. Yeah. How do those grafts feel now, Ken's? Like, where the graft was taken off, do you have more nerve pain there? Are the, Is it more sensitive? Because I don't feel my graft. It, they took mine for my back from my left thigh, and I don't yeah. feel it. So, like, I don't know. Right. So, my donor sites is what they call them on my butt. They don't really, I mean, they really just feel like a scar, a really big scar. But I've been struggling with getting... I haven't had a new one lately, but I was getting blisters on them from God knows what. They thought Just maybe rubbing. Yeah, yeah. They thought maybe that. But then, like, I'm like, I swear it can't be. Um, but then my plastic surgeon said some people just get that sometimes on there. So that was really frustrating. But those are gone now, and I haven't gotten any new ones. Um, mm. But my skin graft, where my skin graft actually is, my my stump or what correct medical term, my residual limb is shrinking. So the skin graft's actually like kind of bending and like like getting a crease in it. So my plastics is like, we could probably just take that skin graft out in like a year. And I'm like, what? Like I went through all this and you're just going to take the damn thing out. So yeah. And then the idea is what? They'll be able to suture it completely closed. Yep. Yeah. <gasps> so they'll be able to take what I, my own skin and clothes. Wow. So, oh, that's, that's good, right? Yeah, like it's good. You, I mean, we don't, skin grafts are a pain in the butt, you know, cause it's right on my muscle. I can, it's very sensitive. Um, yeah. And it's not so, super thick either. No, like not at all your muscles and your bone and your screws and all of that residual limb is mm-hmm. literally right below skin. So right, right. I'm sure that hurts. Like if yeah. you fall or you scrape it or you knock it. So yeah. Oh yeah. my God, girl. Okay, so your wounds are healed. Tell me about Limb Lab now. I want to hear all about it because oh, yeah. I know you are so excited about it. Hang on. Yeah. Tyler is just getting home. Let me let the dogs out so they don't Oh boy. Okay. Get too excited. What? What are you laughing at? TikToks? Oh god. Frickin' Midge is such a loudmouth, Kenzie. Oh, yeah. My dogs aren't here right now. They're actually at uh, my dad's because his girlfriend's mom is training Tito. Ooh, cool. Yeah, so they have a little vacation for a couple she's, days. She's going to come back a little angel, huh? What, call it. That'd be a miracle. What exactly are they training? Like, what would be most helpful for you? The general obedience. No. <laughs> Right? Like all of it? She's just so crazy, like about food, because she was starved in her beginning of her life. So that's the biggest one. Yeah. So food. It's not aggression. Maybe it is aggression, but she just like, yeah, everything with food, it's like she thinks she's never going to eat again. So like if she gets a treat, she'd take your fingers off, which she's gotten way better at. But like just anything any if we're eating like she would just like attack the freaking plate to eat it so and just like biting she still bites and it's like you're over a year old yeah like nibbling so yeah okay sorry where were we because I had limb lab 
Yes, so, Slim Lab. Uh, How'd you hear about it? Because every day I went to chemotherapy, I was like, ooh, that place looks cool, but I don't think they have backs and like no, the right. lower bodies available there. They need to get those. Um, yeah, they so do. I was when I was in the hospital, obviously they started talking right away about prosthetic places. So Hanger, the Hanger Clinic, and Limb Lab are the two options in Rochester, which both are amazing. Um, but I ended up just going with Limb Lab because everybody's like, I'd heard so many times that they're just so personable and like they're very um, up and coming. They're always open to doing new things. Like they want to do all the like crazy new like inventions that they can and they're always willing to help somebody that wants to go farther with a prosthetic and I'm like well that's me because I was like I need to do absolutely everything um with this prosthetic leg that I can and so ended up choosing them and um made my first appointment with them and they molded my leg or my stump so they molded it with cast material and then they poured um is it silicone is what the, yeah, silicone is like the hard plastic that I have for my socket right now. They poured that and molded it or whatever. And then I've just continuously kept going in and I'm obviously shrinking my my residual limb is. Um, So they add pads in certain places. I wear, I put socks on, they're called socks that go over my stump that help fill in the spots that are um, shrinking and eventually that will be before the end of this month I'll have a carbon fiber socket that's flexible and so in a lot of my videos like the socket looks like it's like right up into my crotch which it totally is but that eventually will be like a flexible carbon fiber material so um that'll be super nice when I get that so I don't have to worry about that thing jabbing me No kidding. And I'm sure, you know, when we talk about like even progression and um, invention of like a prosthetic, I mean, we're talking two, three hundred years ago, literally people were walking around on a wooden stump. Yeah. And now they have carbon fiber multi-flex sockets like that's incredible Kenzie and even your long-term ability to like say walk on something like that Mm -hmm. that you could go back to work and work an eight-hour day oh yeah whereas if you were walking on a wooden stump or that plastic thing you couldn't work a full day like no way that's huge so that's so cool tell me about like your first day there when they brought the leg out when you stood up from your wheelchair like I want to hear the details about that, what you were thinking. I'm sure you were exhausted after that first day. What did yeah. it look like going home? Were you nervous to go back? Yeah. Um, honestly, I the first day going to Lim Lab, I was super nervous because, like, I have this competitive, like, side of me where I need to be or at least try to be the best of the best with whatever I do. And so I'm like, God, like, there's probably people coming in here that know how to use their prosthetic legs so well, and I'm going to be this, like, wobbly baby on it. Um, And so, like, that was something in my head, and I'm like, I don't, like, I was really pretty nervous, which is a little weird for me, because, like, throughout this whole process, I've been pretty confident and everything, but it's this new thing that I've never, ever experienced is what I think has been, like, not the scariest, but probably the most, like, nerve-wracking thing. So... 
they molded my stump or whatever. I went back the next day and we were kind of in a hurry because there was a possibility I would have gotten into Mayo therapy earlier than I did. Um, today was actually my first day at Mayo for therapy. So, uh, they thought, we thought like two weeks ago I would maybe get in early. So they like rushed everything, got it all done for me. And then Mayo's like, we can't get you in until then. Like, whatever. So Lim Lab was nice enough to have me come in whenever I wanted, um, to walk on it. And they're like, we're not therapists, obviously, but like we work with therapists all the time. So I got to go in there and walk. And like the first time I walked, I was like, just standing up on two legs. I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, like this feels so good to have like that leg there again, you know? And then, and then it just like progressed, like there was things, so there's, like, steps that you need to do to make this knee work. That's crazy. It's Bluetooth, and it's computerized, and they do their side of things by adjusting things correctly, and it learns my body and how I walk, and I just need to be able to um, control the swing of the knee um, and all that stuff. So it's pretty, like, in-depth and hard. It's literally, like, learning how to walk again, but it's been really, really crazy fun. And like, I keep getting better and better at it. And so yeah, you do. It was fun. I, I saw your last video, I think, of the one where they removed, what do they call the two railings that are just straight and you walk between them? Yeah, the bars. Yeah, just the bars. Yeah. I did that too before my surgery. And I had to wear like leg braces yeah. so that my knees wouldn't bend before surgery. They wanted to like keep me up out of my chair and right. I don't know. Honestly, it was weird, but like it was great therapeutically yeah. for me because right. obviously I'm not walking on it now. But when they removed that side, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good video because that yep. means you trust her enough to not biff it. So, right. Yeah. So I went from two bars to one bar. And then, like, my third time, I think I took a walk in the hall with just my walker. And like that day, he's like, you're on your third time doing this. He's like, people don't even do this till their 10th session. And so I was like, okay, that's what I wanted to hear. And then I was like, okay, going to this place isn't that hard. Like, I'm going to kill it, you know. So my competitive side finally simmered down a little bit. But today I went to Mayo and I got to work with an actual physical therapist. His name's Steven. I don't know his last name, but he's actually going to be retiring this year. So, like, I'm very fortunate to get him because he yes. knows a lot of stuff. So we kind of just went back to the basics. And my limb lab guy, he's like, just so you know, it might be like a little mind numbing for you considering that you've already been like walking for so long on this. And he's like, so just be patient. And I was like, okay. But yep. he just really is there and he's breaking like the little things down. So the main goal of it is to do the least amount of things to make the knee work. You know, that's the goal. So right. we just worked on like weight shifting. I got to put enough weight on the prosthetic side. I need to put a weight enough weight on the toe for the knee to flick forward. It's just crazy. Like that is crazy. Are you like thinking more about what muscles in your hip and in your butt cheek on yep. your right side you're using with your left to like trust it? That has to be so weird, Ken's, because yeah. when I transfer, I know you and I have talked about this before, so I'm really saying it for people listening. Like yeah. there is no way people can understand what that feels like until they no. do it themselves. And from Kenzie and I both, I know we both say, like, we hope to God you never have to experience it, but it is something we can learn, right? But it's, like, so terrifying to trust something mm -hmm. that is literally your entire support below you 
and just trust it. Like, yep. that's it. Yep. And that's, like, one of the biggest things my therapist said today. He's like, you just need to trust that that knee is going to work. And it will. And I'm like, okay, dude, whatever you say. But yeah. It's like the damn thing's going to give out sometimes. So I know. Like, do you have to grease that out? every morning? Yeah. <laughs> this knee is so crazy that if it if I fall, it knows I'm falling and it will lock up. Like, it's insane. Yeah, that is. That is insane. Okay, so are you bringing your limb lab? I'm just going to call your limb, your lab from your limb lab. Yeah. You bring that to Mayo or like what, what did you do today at Mayo? Like, how is it different than limb lab? Yeah, so my two limb lab people, Andrew and Kate. So Andrew, I think, I don't know what his like title is. I want to say like a prosthetist or something. Um, And then Kate is his resident they meet me at all my appointments. Oh my God. Yeah. And they bring my leg with them. So it's a meeting of the minds. It's like you, these three professionals that know exactly what they're doing and you know your body best. So like, Oh my God, Kenzie, I'm so excited for you. How often do you go back? So this is my week of intensive therapy. So I did one hour session today and then the rest of the week I have two hour sessions each day. Whoa. Yeah, so I'll be down there all week. And then they'll decide Friday if you need more time. Like, is there a chance that you don't need more than it? Yeah, so my prosthetist, he's like, I don't think you're going to have to be there all week, but we'll see. So it's just kind of a man, like, depending on what my therapist says. Like, it's kind of like he said, it's like handing somebody a loaded gun and they don't know how to use it. So yeah, they got to make sure I know how to use it before they send it home with me. Right, right. Because, like, this prosthetic will do stairs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, so the knee will know when you lift your thigh up, it will bend is the yeah. idea. Yes. I have to put enough weight on the toe, though, first. I don't know stairs yet. We haven't gotten there. I'll get there, I'm sure. But And, yeah. and to do the toe, you have to, like, lean forward and push down. Yeah. Or, like, how the hell do you push on your toe that's non-existent? Yep, like, that's what you do I don't know how I do it but I do it yeah very yeah. cool well you know what it's a blessing that like that stuff is just sort of second nature to you and mm-hmm. you are ahead of the game I'm not surprised to hear it Kenzie because you are a strong-willed yeah mf'er who I oh, love yeah. oh and yeah so like this is just so exciting I tell you physical therapy is so draining and so you you have so much energy you're constantly putting out but like it's gonna pay off and yeah. Oh my gosh. Think of when you can bring that thing home. That's going to be I insane. I know. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> You'll be able to like cook with both your hands again. Oh, it'll be amazing. I won't have to like crutch and set something down and then crutch and set it down. And oh, it's just. And yeah, you can do your hair standing up. Yep. You can do your makeup standing up. Can you take this thing in the shower or do you have to not use it in the shower? So since I got approved for the military grade one, it can be submerged in water for 30 minutes. So I can take a shower with it if I want. Cool. And yeah. then like, what about swimming? I know Melissa, who was on episode 12, I believe. Mm-hmm. I know I kind of connected you guys. I know she swims, but do you know, I don't think she has a prosthetic for swimming. I think she yeah. swims without it. Do you know? Right. I, I wonder what Lim Lab would say. I think I'll swim without it. Like if I'm at the lake, and, like, in the water, I will take it off. 
I think I'll probably just do that in general, whether it can go in or not, because I don't need my, you know, how much money freaking prosthetic no of the lake, you know. Oh, no kidding. I know. You'd have and to I call up the dive squad. Swim without it, so. Right. Cool. Well, yeah, the most important thing are, are your legs. And right. heck, you can put one flipper on one foot if you ever right. want to, like, swim laps. So. Yeah, and you'll still be fine. Yeah. Can you, like, hop? Say you, like, left your walker in your bathroom. Could you, like, mm-hmm. hop from your bathroom to your bed? Or okay. is that really freaking hard? I've been hopping for probably a month now. Just yeah. because it's so much easier, but it's tiring. Like, I swear I have the strongest ankle in the whole wide world right now just because of all my hopping I've done. But um, you kind of just get sick of the walker and the crutches. Oh, girl, I hear you. And Marissa's I hear like, you. Because I definitely have biffed it couple times uh that I got lectured for doing at uh therapy so I haven't fell in a while so it's fine but yeah it is fine I mean pretty soon this isn't going to be an issue because you're going to have your I mean you're gonna everybody's gonna fall right like I freaking supermaned out of my wheelchair like three months ago yeah I mean, it's going to happen, but just the fact that your quality of life with this limb is going to be so much greater. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Okay, one more thing I want to talk about before we go. Okay. Like body positivity, right? Like we're girls. We understand Mm -hmm. what it's like to be comparing others. Like how are you going to learn how to love your new body and love this new residual limb? Yeah. Um, I guess that's a really good question because – I have actually honestly struggled a little bit with my residual limb, like, because the donor sites where they took my, for my skin graft is right on my left butt cheek. And like, before the accident, like I had been working out and I had been working so hard for all the muscle I had. And like, I lost at least 20 pounds in the hospital, which likely was a lot of muscle. And that has been really hard for me. Like, I'm like, gosh, does that even, like, I don't even feel like I, my butt looks good anymore, you know, like, is it ever going to look the same, and, like, all that stuff, but, I mean, I struggled with anorexia in high school, so, like, the bo- body, like, positivity thing isn't new for me, like, so I'm like, oh, just shut up, pretty much, I have to tell myself that, like, you are fine, this is beautiful that you still have that much leg left, like, I just try to always take the positive and, um, use it the best I can for my head. Um, and I've been trying to treat my body well with like eating well still, cause I can't really work out too much, but I do what I can. I have an upper arm still and I yeah my legs to do that. So I do that. And my abs are super important, especially with my prosthetics. So I can do ab work as well, but I definitely have some processes to get through with my head and looking at my body because it's different obviously now but yeah and now I don't want to let you just scoot over your anorexia comment like what do you tell young girls or people struggling with that today based on what you've been through and the appreciation you have for your body in a new light like do you have anything you want to share about that maybe where the struggle came from um so it was like athletica anorexia. So I was an athlete or whatever. And I just always wanted to be better than I was the day before, which when I say that, that's a positive thing for everybody to think. But my idea of better was not ideal at the time mentally. 
better was skinnier, faster, stronger, but always skinnier. Like, and when I say that, it was I had to step on the scale and see the numbers move. Like the control thing was huge. So it's a control thing. Like mentally, it meant more to you to see the numbers go down than it did for you to make good choices. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, completely. And like, I thought I was okay. I thought I was just, you know, I was working out. I was being healthy, you know, like, because we have that stigma in our society that women should work out, be healthy, eat the right thing. Like, and if I was skinny, be sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was wanting to do that, you know, but I lost track of it and it just spiraled me down into like being extremely skinny and my hair started falling out. And then that was like, oh crap. That was the day I was like, okay, I must be somewhat malnourished. So yeah, I I just need to stop doing this crap. So yeah, it breaks my heart that more, you know, the older I get, Ken's, the more I hear about men and women both going through that. And it's such an Mm -hmm. odd thing, control, right? Because like, Anybody listening to this that that has ever had any anxiety, a lot of our anxiety, and I struggle with it too, and it's funny, like, for people that don't know Ken's and I, like, we've known each other since we were little kids, like, I was in elementary school when I met her sister Brady, and it's weird, like, growing up and the things we, like, didn't worry about as kids, right, and then you grow up and you want to control these little things like I get angry I get anxious and it's like why do we put so much pressure on ourselves you know right yeah Uh, it's crazy I think it's just a matter of growing up and learning yourself and like thankfully I made it through that and now I'm gonna make it through this so it's like I'm just blessed that I've been able to experience such hard things and still be positive yeah yeah and I'm so glad that you have people to remind you of your strength and you know as dumb as this sounds like if you say in five years are in a dark spot and you have to listen to this episode to like remind yourself of the good that you said I'm so glad that this is here for you and I know it's gonna help a lot of people one of the big reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is like if if someone can't relate to you at all about what you've been through with your leg they can relate to your anorexia or your anxiety or your control. And like, Ken's, you never know how many people need to hear your message. And I just really thank you for coming on and sharing it because I know it's scary and I know it's hard, but like, yeah, no, I'm so excited and it took forever, but I was like, yay, finally today I get to do this. So I'm, I'm really happy that you let me share my story on here. Yes. How's Devin doing? Did his wounds heal? Is he walking without a walker? Like what, what is going on with you guys? Yeah. So Devin is amazing and he, his wounds are all closed up. He lost some of his quadricep muscle. So that was like the biggest thing. And they also had to stretch his thigh skin quite a bit um, to close his wound so that was a kind of a battle. His wound didn't really close all the way up until probably a week ago. How do they stretch skin, Kenzie? Like, how come they didn't take a graft for him? Just oh goodness gracious, I have no idea why not. Because they were going to, and then they, I think they were just like, no, we think we can make this work. So that's what they give did. it time. Yeah, yeah, and okay. it, it worked out. So. Yeah, and how's your pain? How's how's his pain? How's your pain? Like, be honest yeah. about that. That might be something you're going to have to work through for years. I know you did mirror therapy. Yeah. My pain 
is the single most disabling thing that I live through is the pain, not the injury or, you know, yeah, sure. Do I like how I look in a chair? No, but like I can talk about body positive to myself easier than I can in those moments where I don't have pain. Cause right. you know, Ken's like your quality of life isn't good when you're sitting there in pain. No, not at all. So pain wise for Devin, I think it's kind of comes and goes for him. Some days, I mean, he is sore, but it's not, not anything that we're having to take any medications for anymore. He Whoa. Just, yeah, he had to deal with trying to bend his leg again. So bending it past like a certain degree at the beginning was almost impossible. And now he's able to get past 90 degrees, which is huge without it really hurting. So he had to restretch out that quadricep muscle since he lost some of it. Will he get back to full functioning with that quadricep? Like, does a muscle restretch? Yeah, yeah. So he, I don't know, I'm speaking for him, but I would say that he's pretty much back to his full capacity of. What he was doing before he can do now. Okay, yep, exactly. well, that's good. Yeah, so that's good. Um, Pain-wise for me, I, so I'm fortunate that I only had, a lot of phantom pain like in the beginning right away after my amputation and that was a lot of like feeling like my calf was stretched like crazy for some reason and then it kind of went just to like sensation rather than pain so I would get like annoying sensations of like my foot still being there and like it's not so it just feel like my foot was asleep a lot of the time I would explain it as if I don't take my gabapentin I feel like sometimes my residual limb feels like a firework. <laughs> it's kind of... Uh, it's like throbbing bursts of... Yeah, like nerve pain. You know, like this the nerve, like tingly, painful feeling. So, yeah, that's a thing. But honestly, otherwise, I'm very lucky that I don't really have all that much pain. Just well, like I... I'm letting you know that like I've been able to get off of my oxy. I've been able to get yeah. off the gross pain medications. I'm still on gabapentin. I probably will be for my lifetime unless yeah. something crazy happens. Do you feel like you might be too or like? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was told. And I mean, I've gotten to taking it less. So that's that, good. Yeah. So I I don't really base it off of hours now. I just kind of base it off of like, ooh, like what time is it? When did I take the last one? And now my stump's kind of feeling weird and like, yeah. whatever. You know, I'll just take it. So I've been able to do that, which is super nice. But that's the only right. medication I'm on other than my lovely antidepressant and anti-anxieties. But yes, does your does does your antidepressant do anything for pain too, or is it just an antidepressant? Well, just antidepressant. Okay, yeah. I'm on Cymbalta, and I've been able to sleep better at night. I was having a hard time getting, you know, six to eight hours, and now I can sleep six to eight hours without waking up. So that's a blessing. Yeah, that's good. And then your tattoo. You had a tattoo on the back of your leg. Yeah, so I got two tattoos. I got life short, slow down, life short on my left calf, uh, slow down on my right. And I got that like a at Aloha Monkey forever ago with my mom and my sister. We were just, I don't know, going to get a tattoo for whatever reason. And I was like, hmm, this sounds good. I want this, you know, good meaning, whatever. 
Well, in surgery, amputation day, they went to close up the end of my stump, and he went and, like, folded over my calf skin, and it says life short, and, like, everybody in the OR was like, oh, my God, look at how cool this is, you know, and it's just crazy, you know, life short. It's, like, ironic, weird, it's on my stump, and then my other one says slow down, because, good God, I'm going to have to slow down for a minute. Yes, you you are. So, yeah, Um, that, that was crazy. If that isn't a God thing, as right. far as, like, life decisions and timing goes, like, you had no idea an Aloha right. monkey that you would ever be staring life is short in your face right. Right. on a residual limb. Like, yeah. that's mind-blowing to me. And what a beautiful, like, end to this episode, right. I feel like, is just that reminder that life is short and we have to make the most of it, like you said. And I think, too, it's like, your version of what life is going to look like now might be totally different than mine or totally different than Devin's or totally different than someone listening, but really it's what you make it Kenzie and what you want. And so I just commend you for doing that because it's, it's hard to give up those pressures from other people. Oh yes. It'll be wonderful. Got a lot of life to live. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I'm so excited for you, and I'm excited to hear more about this down the road. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of adventures to come with this new leg, so. Yeah, and it's not going to slow you down. Like, you still want to be a mom. You still want to work. You still want to be a good partner. You want to be a good friend, a good daughter, so. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Is there anything you want to share, anything at all that's on your heart or mind? I would just say shittle buff. That's That's right. Whenever something's going on, like, it'll always smooth out somehow. Just give it time. Yep. Like a precious stone. You're like an agate. Yes. Yeah. Love you, Kenzie. Thank you for coming on. And I will let you. Yeah, send me. Will you do me a favor and send me some of your favorite photos of you for, like, your album picture? And then maybe the motto. I can send you a list, too, but. I know we probably don't want to share the graphic image of your leg with podcast listeners in case, you know, a 12 year old stumbles on my page, but send some x-rays if you're comfortable with it. I think people would be really impressed to see how far you've come. Okay. All right. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys. Marissa, thanks for helping us out. Oh yeah. She's just chilling over there. Heck yeah. (laughs) All right, Ken's have a great December. Merry Christmas. Yes. Bye. Bye. The beautiful thing about Mackenzie's story is the reminder that life can change in any instant. I think it's really common in today's world for people to become numb of their surroundings and become numb of their presence, their physical bodies, and the happenings that's going on around them and sometimes within ourselves. I know in this world, especially today, we struggle with anxiety and isolation and feeling just bored and insignificant in a lot of ways or coming up short. Mackenzie and I want you all to know that your story matters, your strength matters, and if you can look inward at all and practice being present, it really does go such a long way. We are able to be kinder to ourselves and kinder to others. This life isn't easy. Life can change in an instant. Our abilities can be stripped away from us, and we have to relearn how to do the things that we did without even thinking before. Kenzie's life is completely different now. She has so many things to learn and experience with this new body of hers. 
coming from someone like myself who had a huge bodily change six years ago, I have to be honest, I don't know my body fully. My mind and my body work differently. I try to work them together, but every day is a constant overcoming of challenges and adaptations with this new disabled body. I want you all to know, too, that no matter what your abilities are, you're beautiful. Comparison can be such an ugly thing, and feeling like we're not good enough is something that we feel a lot as well. But if you have a mind that can think for itself and the inspiration to never give up, I promise you to keep going and it will always be worth it. Know that you matter. Know that you've been beautifully created. And know that your imperfections are actually the most beautiful thing about you. Thank you for being here. Be sure to check out www.pushdiariespodcast.com forward slash episodes forward slash Ken's K-E-N-Z to see Mackenzie's photos that she shared with us and to hear more about her story. Please be sure to head back and listen to the episodes you've missed and be sure to check back for new content. If you would like to subscribe to support the show monetarily, you can pay about as much as a coffee to help this show stay sustained while continuing to bring you inspiring content week after week. If you have an idea for the show or you want to submit a story, please contact me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com or feel free to shoot me a personal message. Please head to Instagram and Facebook to stay connected. Have a very happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast.com at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash push diaries podcast thank you for listening if you are a sponsor or would like to run a commercial and think that my message and my podcast would be beneficial for your business please consider contacting me i would be honored to work with you We have the ability to put commercials into these episodes. Thank you for your consideration. Take care.